January 2007, Park City, Utah. Independent filmmakers and their entourages packed the streets and cafes. They were looking for distributors at the Sundance Film Festival. John Antiaco, the CEO of Blockbuster, peered out the windshield of his rented Cadillac Escalade at the ski chalets stacked up the mountainside. Antiaco, then in his late 50s, had a wreath of salt and pepper hair and an aquiline nose that made him look like a short boxer or a Roman emperor. He favored plain starched white shirts, open-necked with a blue blazer and slacks. He was confident, exultant even, but he didn't want to get too far ahead of himself. He looked down at the house number in his hand, but he also had to keep an eye on the street packed with impatient drivers. The Escalade's wheels crunched slowly over the snow-packed streets. Antiaco didn't want to be late for his meeting, but he also didn't want to maim one of the hipsters in designer boots and winter gear slipping and sliding alongside his car. They were trying to get to the glitzy parties and film premieres on Main Street. All these L.A. types. Not Antiaco's thing. He preferred to spend his free weekends at his ranch outside Dallas, puttering, putting up deer feeders, inspecting fences, and watching his wife ride her prize Arabian show horse. Every few months, he visited New York to hang with pals from his old neighborhood. They'd spend hours in chic restaurants they couldn't afford in their salad days. Nick Shepard, his high-strung but loyal chief operating officer and right-hand man at Blockbuster, convinced him to attend the festival as a sort of victory lap. They'd found the formula to kill Netflix. Dead. Once and for all. He and Shepard wedged themselves behind a table in an overcrowded cafe filled to the gills with hipsters. Antiaco surveyed the scene like he was at the intergalactic bar scene in Star Wars. Outside, clouds drifted over mountaintops. Then, Shepard's phone rang. He put his hand on the phone and mouthed the name of the caller to Antiaco. Reed Hastings. Hastings is the CEO of Netflix, and he just told Shepard he's got an offer for Antiaco, one he thinks Antiaco would be a fool to refuse. Antiaco took the phone. Hey, John, Reed here. Do you happen to be in town for the Sundance Film Festival this year? As a matter of fact, I am. Maybe we should get together and talk. Can you come to my chalet in Park City around lunchtime today? Hmm. Sounds like a good idea. When he got off the phone, Antiaco said to himself, Of course, a chalet in Park City. Ironically, it wasn't just Hastings who thought he was holding the winning hand. Antiaco believed he had pocketed aces. Hastings could not fathom how Blockbuster could possibly replicate the complex, intuitive online user interface that he and his co-founder Mark Randolph had slaved over for seven years. Blockbuster's Antiaco believed he had done just that. Soon, it would be time for them to show their cards, and there could only be one winner. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, 
Get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana has unmistakably unique culture, world-class cuisine, and the nation's top-ranked workforce development program. This incredible state's business environment is powerful, rich, and diverse. It's the gateway to 38 states and the world with a port system delivering the most domestic cargo in the U.S. It's also where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will transport the first women to the moon. Discover Louisiana's investment resources at OpportunityLouisiana.com to learn how your company can gain a competitive advantage in Louisiana. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. It's the end of a long day. You've gotten home, eaten dinner, put the kids to bed. Now it's that moment of pleasant anticipation when you flop on the couch to watch the latest episode of whatever you've been binge-watching lately. It's funny how you're not even sure which network the show originally aired on. Oh, and your friend just told you about this amazing new series on some streaming service you've never heard of. There are just so many choices of what to watch, and even more confusing, where to watch. You can hardly keep up. Years ago, you might get lost channel surfing across hundreds of channels in your cable package. Now you can spend a whole night jumping from streaming platform to streaming platform on your smart TV. Let's see, there's Hulu, Amazon Prime, YouTube TV, Netflix, of course... And before the year is out, there will be new services from Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus. And Warner Brothers will have one, too. Oh, and don't forget about the more obscure ones you may have never even heard of, but that millions of customers are subscribing to. And if you're paying every month for two or three or more of each of these streaming services, well, it can really add up. The way we watch is changing so rapidly that we've decided to revisit our very first and most popular business war. Netflix versus Blockbuster. We're re-airing an expanded eight-part series following Netflix's battles against HBO and today's new entrance into the streaming wars. The fight between Netflix and Blockbuster was a war that lasted eight grueling years. It left behind casualties, thousands of hollowed-out buildings and economic losses in the billions. Blockbuster may be gone, But new players have entered the field, challenging Netflix and HBO for our eyeballs. Media companies are spending many billions to bury their competitors. And the field is in such flux. Who comes out on top? (laughs) That's anyone's guess. This is Episode 1, Sudden Death. Back at Sundance 2007, John Antiaco and his Blockbuster team were looking to place their orders for the latest DVD releases. And while schmoozing, Antiaco picked up a piece of intelligence. Word has it that Netflix is not doing well. Possibly on the ropes, in fact. Antiaco rolled that tidbit of information around in his mind as he searched for Hastings' chalet. 
Hastings sat alone, waiting as the gray day warmed a bit and the voices of festival-goers echoed along the street outside. He loved Park City's quaint little town with its clock tower, swank shops, and an old-fashioned theater marquee. He bought an old red-brick meeting house with a steeple and stained-glass windows and converted it into a vacation home. Here, he and his wife Patty and their two children, now in middle school, escaped from overheated, tech-obsessed Silicon Valley to ski and hang out during school breaks. He hoped that the family trips made up for all the time that Netflix had sucked away. Hastings stayed home in Santa Cruz in Northern California when Patty took the kids to Italy for a study abroad year. Meanwhile, back in Wall Street... Blockbuster rolls out its online rental service, a new challenge to already struggling Netflix. When word came out about Blockbuster Online, Hastings opened his laptop to take a look. He shook his head and chuckled to himself. Wow, this is a shaggy dog of a website. I can do better than this sitting at any cafe in the world just using my laptop. But he had underestimated Antiaco. Or maybe he had overestimated his own hand. In truth, they had both miscalculated. The search for each other's jugular would become an acquired taste. Hastings had worked obsessively on the code for Netflix's powerful algorithms that tracked web visitors' every movement and preference, amassing an unmatched treasure trove of information. Despite the supremacy of this powerful data-sucking engine, Hastings would eventually learn that Netflix was a shakier vessel than he realized. His co-founder, Mark Randolph, had described the struggle to keep Netflix alive as pissing blood for years. Hastings paced the house alone, waiting for Antiaco. Whether the Netflix gurus had struggled for nothing hinged on the outcome of this meeting. First, he would get Antiaco to admit what Netflix's data showed, that Blockbuster was going broke trying to kill Netflix with its new Total Access program. See, Total Access let Blockbuster online subscribers return their DVDs to any of Blockbuster's 7,000 American stores and rent a new movie immediately. Netflix just couldn't match that kind of convenience. But Hastings knew Antiaco's pressure point. Actually, Blockbuster was losing money on every transaction. The big chain was already a billion dollars in debt. And Antiaco's board of directors, led by billionaire investor Carl Icahn, they were yanking on the reins. Hastings had to swallow his pride and beg Antiaco to sell him Blockbuster online, or both companies would die in a slow murder-suicide. Surely Antiaco would get this. But if Antiaco refused and total access continued, well... Hastings would have to report Netflix's first-ever loss of subscribers. Netflix stock price would start melting down along with its equity. By the second quarter of no growth, Netflix would be finished. The company's share price would collapse along with its ability to borrow money to sustain operations. Unless... Well, Blockbuster went belly up first from its debt. And so... As he waited for Antiaco to arrive, Hastings reflected on the fact 
that he had repeatedly and publicly dismissed Blockbuster as technologically inept. He wished he hadn't said that. Most people who know Hastings well say that he is a genius and visionary. They also say he does not comprehend people all that well, especially when they act in ways that he considers illogical. And that's how he came to underestimate John Antiaco and the boys at Blockbuster Online. They were illogical. Antiaco spotted Hastings' chalet and pulled up to the curb. Antiaco took a few moments to savor his vindication, the sheer arrogance of Hastings. You didn't think we could figure this online thing out, did you, Reed? Warmed by the heated seat, he paused and listened to the engine tick as it cooled. Then he put on his game face, walked up the snowy sidewalk to the wide wooden porch, and raised his fist. John Antiaco had been through two years of hell. He had waited for seven years for Viacom to split off Blockbuster as a public company in 2004 so he could run it the way he wanted. Video stores were dying and Antiaco knew it. Once Viacom cut him loose, he needed to catch Netflix, reduce the number of video rental stores and late fees, and move into digital delivery before the $8 billion industry shrank to nothing. To do all that, he desperately needed control of the $6 billion that Blockbuster generated every year. But Blockbuster's overlord, Viacom, extracted a $5 per share special dividend. Only after Viacom sucked the life out of Blockbuster did it spin off in late 2004, leaving Blockbuster with $1.2 billion in debt. Corporate raider Carl Icahn sets his sights on Blockbuster. The question is whether he can actually wring profit out of this struggling movie rental company. Antiaco wasn't too worried about the debt until a few months later, when his bid to take over Hollywood video caught the attention of billionaire hedge fund investor Carl Icahn. Now, Icahn had a reputation for buying stock in companies that he considered undervalued and ruthlessly forcing management to cut costs, sell assets, or buy back their stock at inflated prices. This ensured investors of quick and substantial profits, but often left his target companies mortally wounded. Antiaco had tried to take over Hollywood Video five years earlier, but ran into problems with federal antitrust regulators. This time, he figured that competition from Netflix and Video On Demand would make his $700 million bid for Hollywood Video look less anti-competitive and more like an attempt to consolidate a dying industry. After all, video store rentals were plummeting. Everyone knew that. At one time, there were something like 70,000 video stores, and by 2005, almost 80% of them were gone. Customers simply had more choices, video on demand, Netflix, and cheap DVDs. Antiaco wanted to close the underperforming stores to boost sales at the healthy stores. That would give him cash to invest the hundreds of millions it would now take to catch Netflix. Then Icon set his sights on Blockbuster. As soon as Antiaco met with Icon, he knew he was in trouble. Icon's opening salvo made Antiaco's hackles rise. You make too much money, he says. 
Icon planned to quickly profit on both ends of the deal. Hollywood video stockholders would get a premium price to sell their shares. Blockbuster's stock would bump up in value just because Icon was on the scene, agitating management to squeeze more money out of the deal for investors. So Icon bought $150 million worth of Blockbuster stock and $60 million in Hollywood video shares, then sat back and waited for Antiaco to buy Hollywood video. But the Federal Trade Commission had not warmed to the merger, and there was a player in the wings no one was laying big odds on. Number three video rental chain Movie Gallery, which offered $1.1 billion for Hollywood video. Antiaco had no choice. He had to drop out. With a company already deep in debt, he just didn't have the money to make a counteroffer. Icon was furious. The 69-year-old Queens native had made his name as a cutthroat corporate raider in the 1980s, alongside corporate insider trading felons Michael Milken and Ivan Boski. The walls of his office in the General Motors building in Manhattan were lined with framed newspaper clippings and photos, like so many hunted trophy heads of business titans and companies he had taken down over the years. They included the former executives of Nabisco, Texaco, Revlon, Time Warner, Motorola, Marshall Fields, Philips Petroleum, and Transworld Airlines. Carl Icahn fails to get the blockbuster deal he wanted. And now, the movie rental company is struggling to stay afloat. Icon was now stuck with Blockbuster, and he was furious. He angrily called up Antiaco and demanded that Blockbuster either find a private buyer or pay him a special dividend totaling over $300 million. Antiaco coolly refused. So Icon demanded a shareholder vote to put himself and two hand-picked associates on the Blockbuster board. But if Icon hoped to shake up Antiaco, he'd find out soon enough he'd tangled with the wrong guy. Instead of scaring Antiaco, the threats made him dig in harder. See, Antiaco grew up the son of a milkman in a tough Brooklyn neighborhood. He knew how to deal with bullies. He sized up Icon and figured he could take him. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. 
Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. Icon mounted a vicious proxy battle to wrest control of Blockbuster from Antiaco. He fired off public letters to shareholders, painting Antiaco as a greedy spinthrift who got an unconscionable $51 million in pay, but had no solid plan to pay down Blockbuster's debt or fix its drowning stores. Icon urged Blockbuster stockholders to put him and two cronies on the Blockbuster board and throw Antiaco off. On May 11, 2005, shareholders did just that. But Antiaco turned the tables. He had a clause in his contract that gave him a $54 million payout if he was kicked off the Blockbuster board. He threatened to activate it. Icon had no choice but to create a new board seat for his hated rival. Then, Icon began a campaign of what amounted to psychological warfare aimed at forcing Antiaco to quit. If the Blockbuster CEO left voluntarily, he'd have to bail without his $54 million parachute. At every opportunity, Icon tried to publicly humiliate Antiaco and make his life difficult. Icon demanded that board meetings be held at his Manhattan office, far from Antiaco's Dallas headquarters. At those meetings, he pushed aside Antiaco, Blockbuster's chairman, saying he would now preside over meetings. Icon seemed to take pleasure in letting Antiaco's proposals die from neglect. Even more mortifying to Antiaco and his team, Icon insisted that his 26-year-old son, Brett, an aspiring filmmaker, weigh in on any of Antiaco's business plans. Icon called Antiaco at his office after hours for long-winded discussions about blockbuster business. When Antiaco stopped taking the calls, Icon complained that Antiaco spent more time drinking tequila on his ranch than running the business. Reed Hastings over at Netflix watched it all with wary glee. As long as Icon and Antiaco fought with each other, Blockbuster would not beat Netflix. Hastings followed Icon's lead, deriding Antiaco publicly. When Antiaco announced plans for Blockbuster Online, Hastings practically yawned. Blockbuster's track record in online technology and marketing is less well-developed he told a reporter, and then added dismissively, we find it unlikely that Blockbuster will promote their online service effectively. That was the PR equivalent of a mic drop. Antiaco found Hastings insufferable. And then it got worse. For two years, Netflix grew almost unchallenged, from 2 million subscribers in 2004 to 6 million at the end of 2006. Blockbuster stalled at just about a million subscribers as it struggled with debt and technology problems. In truth, both companies were operating on a razor's edge. Marketing dollars are the lifeblood of subscription businesses, and Netflix and Blockbuster were pouring hundreds of millions into a grab for new subscribers. They cut their prices, bought ads, did deals for exclusive content, anything to set themselves apart from each other. They treated it as a battle to the death because no one knew yet whether there were enough customers to sustain two online rental companies. Then, Blockbuster's total access 
stop Netflix in its tracks. Somehow, Antiocho managed to win over Icon with the ridiculously expensive total access that allowed customers to drop off movies rented online and pick up movies in a blockbuster store. And that collaboration made them dangerous, Hastings thought, as he waited for Antiocho to arrive at his snowbound chalet. In just six weeks, Total Access had nearly doubled Blockbuster's subscriber account to two million. Hastings had to stop Total Access, whatever it took. A sharp knock shook Hastings out of his reverie. He met Antiaco at the door of the red brick meeting house and settled him in the living room with a beverage. The two men sat, a study in contrasts. Hastings, tall and lean, wore a goatee. He was a rumpled nerd with a sharp mind, but he was short on emotional intelligence with a tendency to blurt out painful truths. Antiaco, neat and stocky, was a charming storyteller with a patience and reserve of a high-stakes poker player. He was watching Hastings carefully. He waited for Hastings to come to the point. Hastings began awkwardly. John, congratulations on Total Access. It's a great program. I wish now I'd taken your team a little bit more seriously. But, but John, we are going to have a serious problem next quarter with subscriber growth. If you keep this stuff up, I'm sure you guess that, right? The word from the studios is you're losing subscribers as fast as we're picking them up, Reed. But you are giving away those store rentals. We figure that's got to be costing you what? Two bucks per rental? Pretty soon, you're going to be spinning yourself right into oblivion. You guys are going to be bankrupt. The minute you quit giving away store rentals and raise your prices, we're going to start growing again. There was a moment of tense silence as the two men weighed the stakes. Well, what do you suggest, Antiaco said. John, let us buy your subscribers. We are better at online rental. We are just better at technology. There it was, Antiaco thought. Even with Netflix's imminent demise, Hastings couldn't resist one last dart, could he? His arrogance was not dimmed in the least. So Antiaco replied, I had something else in mind. I want to keep the stores and the online business, but maybe there's a way for us to be partners, maybe in a joint venture. To which Hastings replied, <laughs> This is not even a business you wanted to be in, John. Okay, stop right here for a moment. Now you're Antiaco, and Hastings... Well, Hastings has just made a Hail Mary move to buy your subscriber base from Blockbuster. So Antiaco's thinking, wow, the hundreds of millions I've spent, the barbs I've taken from Wall Street, from Icon, from my very own board, from this Hastings fella, all that is about to pay off. I've got Hastings right where I want him. And what was that Hastings just said? This is not even a business you want to be in, John? You can imagine John Antiaco looking down at the carpet as a slow smile begins to creep across his face. I don't know about that, Hastings. I think we're doing all right. 
Antiaco agreed to bring the proposal to Icon and the board. He got up to leave with a sense of exultation. He knew they would show no mercy. On the next episode of Business Wars, Netflix and Blockbuster land near-fatal blows on each other, while Antiaco battles against his own board. The stock has lost almost half its value in three years, and you barely posted a profit last year. And you think you're entitled to this kind of compensation? From Wondery, this is Business Wars. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. If you tap or swipe over the cover art, you'll see it, and you'll also see some offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them, would you? If you like what you've heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. You can also answer a short survey at wondery.com survey. That helps us out a lot. And don't forget to tell us what business war stories you'd like to hear. I'm your host, David Brown. Gina Keating, author of the book Netflix, wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Our editor and producer is Jenny Lauer Beckman. Sound designed by Jeff Schmidt and Bay Area Sound. Our executive producer is Marshall Louie, created by Hernan Lopez. For Wondering. Hi, I'm Brooke. And I'm Arisha. And we're the hosts of Even the Rich. So I want you to imagine you're about to go on stage and perform in front of 30,000 cheering fans. You pop a cough drop, take some deep breaths, tell yourself, you can do this. And that's when your brother steps into your dressing room. He tells you the police are here. Either you clean up your act or you'll get arrested. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But you just laugh and say good because the you in this story is Madonna. You're going to give the police a moment they'll never forget. Ooh, so what happens next? If you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the newest season of Even the Rich, The Making of Madonna. Follow on Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free.